This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, the first time in U.S. history that a former or sitting president has faced criminal charges. We talked to an expert about former President Trump's indictment and the precedent it sets. And reactions flood in regarding the unprecedented indictment. We look at responses coming in from the nation and the NYPD, as well as what Trump's attorney on the classified documents probe thinks about the case. Chaotic scenes at the Tennessee Capitol yesterday, thick crowds streamed into government buildings calling for more gun control. With yet another train derailment happening yesterday in Minnesota, a bipartisan group of representatives is calling for the passage of new safety rules. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Friday, March 31st. The first time in U.S. history that a sitting or former president has been criminally charged. We have an analysis from an expert coming up, but first, reactions from overnight. A grand jury in New York City voted to indict former President Donald Trump yesterday. As you can imagine, feelings on the matter are pretty mixed. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the response from the nation. Blatant election interference. That's what former President Trump called the indictment in a statement on Thursday. Reactions from Democrats and Republicans flooded in on Twitter. Democratic Representative Adam Schiff tweeted, A nation of laws must hold the rich and powerful accountable, even when they hold high office. Representative Jamal Bowman said, It's time that we ensure Trump is banned from running for any public office again. Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy called it an attempt to interfere in a presidential election and a weaponization of the justice system. Other GOP lawmakers called it outrageous. Chair of the House Republican Conference, Representative Elise Stefanik, stated the indictment was unprecedented election interference, meant to suppress the will and voice of the American people. She called for voters to peacefully organize and elect Trump back to the White House in 2024. The exact charges against Trump are unclear. The indictment currently remains under seal. The charges stem from an investigation by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. It revolves around Trump's alleged involvement with a $130,000 payment to pornographic actress Stormy Daniels by his lawyer at the time, Michael Cohen, leading up to the 2016 presidential election. Trump denies any wrongdoing and says he's the victim of extortion. Bragg's office said it had contacted Trump's attorney to coordinate a surrender next week. A court official says it's likely to happen Tuesday. Some Americans celebrated the news. I think it's the best thing that can happen in the world. Once he's gone, the world's safe. It shows that democracy is finally at its place where it's supposed to be. Others had mixed feelings. As much as I hate the Donald, I think that we have bigger pressing political issues than him. What's the difference between Clinton and Paula Jones and Trump and Stormy Daniels? Ah, good question. Good question. He, he didn't get indicted. I, I know. I feel like <laughs> there's some hypocrisy on both sides. Trump supporters in Florida gathered at Mar-a-Lago Thursday night. I'm here to defend and protect him because he's standing in front for us. What they're doing to him right now is only strengthening his base. It's going to give him the presidency. Just watch. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis condemned the prosecution and says Florida will not assist in an extradition request. 
Trump is seeking the Republican nomination to run for president again in 2024. He signaled in his statement Thursday, the indictment will not change that. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy denounced the decision to indict yesterday. He says regardless of Trump being his opponent, the voters should decide who the next president is, not a prosecutor in New York. Here's what he said. A politically motivated prosecution. This is wrong. This is dangerous. We're skating on thin ice as a country right now. I think we may be heading on our way to a national divorce I'm running for president because I care about a national revival instead, but this is a step in the wrong direction. You don't know what Alvin Bragg, he ran on a campaign, a political campaign for his position, pledging to investigate Donald Trump. Justice is supposed to be impartial. If this had been anybody else other than Donald Trump on this set of facts, it would have been charged as a misdemeanor at most, if at all. Yet what we see right now is a ruling party in our country that will stop at nothing, even using police force to arrest its political opponents. We're not some banana republic, guys. We are the United States of America. Trump's adult son, Donald Trump Jr., also weighed in. He compared the prosecution to communist-level behavior. Here's a statement. This is stuff that would make Mao, Stalin... Uh, Pol Pot, it would make them blush. It's so flagrant. It's so crazed. When even like the radical leftists of the Washington Post are out there saying, it's not really based on facts. It's not really based on the law. It's not really based in reality, but it's 100% based on politics. When your enemies are saying that, it's got to tell you everything you need to know right now about where we are as a country. Well, Trump was expected to be indicted last week, I believe, but then that didn't happen. And then it, report, it was reported that the grand jury was going to on a month-long hiatus. So the indictment comes as a bit of a surprise now. Joining us now is a former assistant DA for Brooklyn and retired FBI agent Mark Ruskin. Good morning, Mark. The indictment isn't public. So what is it we know so far and when can we expect to see details about it? Good morning, Evelyn. Thank you for having me here. The indictment is not public yet, although it really should be. A sealed indictment is really something that you have when you're about to arrest and indict a drug dealer or some violent type of criminal. So to have it sealed here is highly unusual and doesn't really make any sense at all. So we can't really predict when it's going to be unsealed because it shouldn't be sealed in the first place. So the answer is we have no idea whenever they choose to unseal it. Mm, that's very interesting that this is how a former president is treated. Now, Trump is also a 2024 presidential candidate. What will happen to that now? Well, I, I, I doubt it's going to have any effect. This will be over before the presidential election season really gets going. The uh, concept is that a, uh, a, a local district attorney can, can file an indictment against a former president is... Uh, in and of itself outrageous and is unlikely to survive judicial review. So wherever, wherever this is going, it's going to be gone, I suspect, strongly before the election. Can this is really essentially what I would call a, a nothing sandwich. You know, it's got a lot of bread and, and, and lettuce and tomato, but there's no meat here. Uh, you can make the indictment as long as you want. They made it 40 plus charges. But repeating the charges doesn't make it into uh, 
a more firm indictment. Now, um, talking about that, John Yu, the former Deputy, Deputy Assistant Attorney General, said that there are a lot of legal problems to this, so it's not clear whether this case will actually see the inside of a courtroom. Now, with what you mentioned, whether it will survive the judicial review or calling it a nothing sandwich, what do you think? Can you go into a little bit more detail about what that means and what you think the legal problems are? Sure. There are a lot of what we call in the law procedural issues, which can be raised. The substantive issues are whether the person committed certain acts or not. But the procedural issues have to do, for example, with the statute of limitations. Will the case be dismissed because it was brought against, you know, beyond the statute of limitations? Can the venue provide a fair jury pool? It may need to be, have a change of venue and, and move to, to upstate New York, for example, where a fair jury can be found. The, there are a lot of technical issues which the lawyers for Trump are going to be able to utilize to have it dismissed uh, or, and reviewed by appellate judges before it ever reaches trial, which I, I, I suspect it will never reach a trial. I, I, you know, these, many of these charges may very well be dismissed, perhaps all of them prior to reaching uh, the point of a, a jury being appointed as uh, selected. Hmm. Interesting. Now, um, you just mentioned the selection of a fair jury. Now, I know in New York, 80% um, voted for Biden. So did that play any role in the indictment as well, do you think? 80% of what? Excuse me? The 80% um, voted for Biden in the election. Now, do you think oh. that this um, would have played, played a role in the indictment and the jury? Well, you know, it, it's hard to read what's going on in the jury's mind, but the fact that you know, New York is a Democrat-run state and, and the, the, many of the judges are elected and, and Democratic uh, Party selected judges, you can, anyone, you can speculate as to what effect that may have had, but whether the important effect as it has to do with, with the uh, trial or the procedure is whether or not there can be a fair jury. If 80% of the jury pool is biased, it would be very difficult to select an impartial and objective jury, which is, of course, a prerequisite to a fair outcome. Mm. Now, what do you think about this, uh, you know, what, what kind of a press, new precedent are we setting with this indictment? Well, uh, certainly a, a terrible precedent, because uh, if, you know, with goose, uh, good for the goose is good for the gander, we, if this goes on now, we can see former Democrat presidents being indicted by local prosecutors all over the country. You know, the, the, the whole concept that a, a local or state prosecutor can... Uh, uh, indict a uh, former president, especially for crimes which are may not, maybe not even be crimes. I mean, this is a novel legal theory that Alton Bragg, the New York DA, has come up with. And there's, one can really question whether he's even, uh, there's even a crime or crimes being alleged here. It, uh, it, it seems almost like federal crimes are being alleged by a state prosecutor and prosecuted by a state prosecutor, which would ordinarily uh, not not be not be the case. So it, it's opening a Pandora's box, which uh, can just lead to endless litigation. We're already a litigious society. We only needed to make it more litigious without good cause. And here, there really isn't good mm. cause. Right. And that aside, there are many other cases as well. You know, the classified documents, January 6, Georgia. Why is this case being focused on? 
Well, the, this case is being focused on in part because it's the first indictment. You know, but it seems almost as though there's a, a search, you know, rather than having a crime that's been committed and then trying to seek, you know, who committed the crime and then prosecute that person. Here we have a situation where you have a person whom they're looking, uh, seems like where prosecutors are seeking to develop a theory of some criminal activity where none uh, existed previously. So uh, it, it's really dubious. Uh, right. to say the least. I believe we're running out of time here, but I really appreciated talking to you. Thank you so much for breaking all that down for us. Uh, Mark Ruskin, I appreciate it. My pleasure. Now, Trump's attorney in the classified documents probe is Timothy Parlatori. He says elected district attorneys on both sides of the aisle often do what they think will get them re-elected. He says Bragg is prioritizing politics over New Yorkers' safety. Here's what he says about the case. Well, it was kind of a surprise, obviously, the timing of it. But, you know, the New York County District Attorney, it's an office that I've gone against many times. I served my career in New York City. And they have often brought, in my experience, cases that they really shouldn't. Uh, I've seen them indict many cases that I am later, you know, taking into uh, dismissals or acquittals because they don't really instruct the jury on what the law was. And so even if you have a situation where the facts aren't in dispute, the judge isn't in the room, and the prosecutors who want the indictment are the ones telling the jurors, hey, by the way, this is the law as we interpret it. But if that's not what the law actually is, that indictment gets dismissed. Trump's defense team will be given a physical copy of the indictment during his arraignment. He will then be released. New York law bars prosecutors from seeking bail for nonviolent felony charges. And the New York City Police Department is already on high alert. The NYPD ordered all officers to show up in uniform today. A police spokesperson says the department wants to be prepared for anything. Barricades were put up around the Manhattan Criminal Courthouse last week. Trump asked people to protest if he was arrested. We will continue to keep you updated. Check back for the latest on Trump's case at 12 p.m. Eastern Time on NTD News Today. Massive crowds of protesters flooded the Tennessee Capitol yesterday. They are demanding tighter gun controls in the wake of the tragic shooting deaths at a Christian school in Nashville. And today's Daniel Monahan has more. Protesters first gathered outside, holding up signs calling for bans on assault weapons. They chanted about democracy, and some drew attention to the recent Covenant School shooting. The protests later continued inside the Capitol, while chants of Save Our Kids echoed noisily in the hallways between the state Senate and House chambers. Things became tense when police and protesters began shoving as the screams of protesters escalated. A witness reported that the confrontation started when police needed to make way for lawmakers. Meanwhile, in the House, two Democratic lawmakers caused a temporary shutdown, shouting power to the people and no action, no peace through a megaphone. People also filled the Senate chamber's gallery, including children who held signs reading, I'm nine, a reference to the age of the three kids who died in Monday's attack. Most protesters were removed from the gallery after some began yelling down at the lawmakers, children are dead. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
Florida lawmakers yesterday passed a bill allowing residents to carry concealed firearms in public without the need for a permit. The bill needs to be signed by Governor Ron DeSantis, who has already ind indicated his approval. The new law would scrap the current requirement for a permit, as well as additional background checks, licensing and firearms training, which are currently required under Florida law. But the law would not apply to those who are banned from purchasing or carrying guns under other Florida laws. If the law passes, Florida will be the 26th state to implement the measures. Lawmakers are fired up about train safety. This in the wake of yet another major train derailment on Thursday, this time in Minnesota with a train carrying flammable ethanol. Members of Congress met yesterday to call for passage of the Rail Act. Entity's Daniel Monahan has the details. Ensuring that Representative Bill Johnson says rail safety is crucial. Johnson says Congress has the chance to take several steps right away to keep communities safe. The Rail Act makes important and pragmatic changes to the way our nation's rail industry operates. While Congresswoman Amelia Sykes says railway workers deserve better working conditions. Americans want safety and accountability. We cannot wait until another tragic, catastrophic derailment upends a community. We must act now. We must pass the Rail Act. Representative Dave Joyce says the Rail Act will improve train inspection systems and increase penalties for violations. There's no one town that's ever equipped for this type of disaster. Meanwhile, Congresswoman Marcy Kapter says something is nagging her about the East Palestine disaster. She says it's not the first time that a train wheel bearing malfunctioned. Kapter also called for getting Amtrak off freight lines and appealed for modernization. One of our problems is Norfolk Southern and CSX, to be quite frank, <clears throat> have not been willing to sit down with us to talk about that future. What does it take to get them around a table? While freshman Congressman Max Miller lauded the bipartisan spirit of the Rail Act cooperation. Support for this bill from Republicans and Democrats alike is extremely encouraging and shows our shared commitment from across the political spectrum. The derailment of the Minnesota train on Thursday involved 22 cars carrying mixed freight, including ethanol. Four cars also caught fire. Train operator BNSF said groundwater was unaffected by the incident. The evacuation order has been lifted. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. A new report is warning a Chinese hacking group that is likely state-sponsored is highly active. That's a group that has been previously linked to attacks on state government computers in the U.S. The report comes from Insect Group. It's the threat research division of a cybersecurity company called Recorded Future. The report refers to the hacking group as Red Gulf. Insect's group says it identified a cluster of domains and infrastructure highly likely used across multiple campaigns by Red Gulf over the past two years. The report says Red Gulf is focusing on a broad range of targets that may be of strategic interest to the Chinese regime. The cybersecurity firm says they believe the activity is likely for intelligence purposes rather than a financial gain. Turkey has sanctioned Finland's bid to join NATO. Yesterday, parliamentary vote cleared the way for the country's long-delayed acceptance into the military alliance. Turkey joined Hungary in the approval of Finland's bid in a unanimous decision by all lawmakers that were there. Finland's decision to join the alliance comes after Russia's invasion of Ukraine a year ago. That scraps the country's decades-long policy of non-alignment. 
The Turkish vote clears the path for the Nordic country to join NATO within weeks. Many Finns responded positively to the decision, saying it will bring safety for the country, which shares a long border with Russia. In my opinion, maybe in the course of history, we as Finland have done well as a border between East and West and done a good job. But on the other hand, following current trends, it's hard to trust some things and maybe NATO brings that security. Finland hasn't done anything. We're a pretty neutral country. So that's the only thing that could be go bad about NATO is that then Finland would get involved in other people's business when we've been really solitary and all alone in our business. Meanwhile, Sweden's bid to join the alliance has been left hanging, with both Turkey and Hungary holding on out to give it the green light. What a crazy month, isn't it? Big things happening, but you know what? We got you. We should end the show with something more fun. Yeah. Tomorrow's also April Fool's Day, and pranks are looming. Don't forget, be, be, don't be fooled by the internet. Well, we got you covered here. Trulia announced the launch of a real estate search tool just for pets, complete with detailed listings for a fancy kitty condo in the heart of Prospect Heights. Online furniture seller Wayfair launched Sophia, the world's first smart sofa. They say the voice-controlled sofa can check emails, upload photos, change the TV channel, and even self-clean and fluff its own pillows. Bush's Baked Beans launched their newest bean variety, Jelly Beans. This is actually kind of a great idea. No, if only that sofa existed. Oh, I know. And on that note, we also asked some of the people on the street what their best April Fool's jokes are. Uh, I tell my mother every single year that uh, she's going to be a grandmother. Gets her every time. Funniest April Fool's joke I ever pulled on somebody was my dad. I swapped his um, his deodorant out with cream cheese and he used it for like three days after. I remember my neighbor put um, saran wrap over like the toilet seat so you could, you know, it looked clear but it wasn't clear. <laughs> Probably me and my dad when I was younger, we would always go back and forth and my favorite thing was I would put a rubber band around the sink hose so whenever he would turn the sink on, the hose would spray him and he would get all wet. We just don't do a lot of jokes on it. Yeah, Chinese people are boring anyway. <laughs> Taking rubber bands and shooting them at my grandfather's head because he was bald, always. Rest in peace to my grandfather, yes. So somebody swapped out deodorant for cream cheese and they didn't notice it for three days. Oh, those practical awesome. jokers. Good job. All right, that's it for this week. Write us if you have anything to share. Good morning at NTD.com. Have a great weekend. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.